listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today in studio with us, we have the president of the Kansas City Regional Association of Realtors, Tony Conant. Tony, thanks so much for joining us. Definitely, man. Thank you guys for having me. So I should just tell our listeners that Tony had come in and recorded a podcast. It was awesome, and uh, there was a technical um, issue. Let's call it let's call it an ID10T oh, error for those of you who know what that is. And it was on me. Uh, so Tony has so graciously come and and uh, agreed to re-record this on his way. You're actually leaving here, and yeah. you're headed to the airport to go. To San Diego uh, for a national convention. That's for, correct. For the National Association of Realtors annual convention. So thanks so much for getting up early and coming and doing this. Um, Thank you for the biscuits and gravy. It was wonderful. Yeah. Now now, <laughs> now, now, every guest is going to want breakfast in the morning. So. Oh, sorry. Yes, I it depends on how early they can come, right? Right. Well, yeah. If we, But I guarantee you, if we have to reschedule you to schedule you to do a technical error and uh, and you're uh, on your way to the airport and stopping by, you're going to get breakfast. This is Eric saying. following our title. This is really getting real that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, today we want to talk about uh, things that realtors do for the community, for uh, individuals that are above and beyond uh, buying and selling real estate. So uh, it's it's really kind of a, a, an interesting problem if you look at it from the outside or if you know a little bit, maybe a little from the edge or from the inside, which is most Realtors are independent contractors, so they're own, they're their own business owners. But to get them to work together as a group is is uh, pretty amazing. So uh, let's start out with an event that took place not too long ago. Um, that uh, for the last X number of years, and I'll let you kind of explain it, Tony. That uh, realtors have been doing called Rock the Block. Why don't you tell us about that? Absolutely. Um, uh, so Rock the Block has started. Uh, gosh, I think we started here five years ago. I want to say that feels right. Uh, but we started it as an initiative. I mean, just honestly, as KCRER and we have Heartland MLS, so we're two companies there. We feel that there's that civic responsibility to give back. Um, and with realtors, the obvious way to do it, right, seems to be improving in people's homes. And for us, it's it's phenomenal. And I, I'll talk later about some of the impacts that we see and whatnot. But it's it's amazing, and it's something that, that we've seen that not only helps the residents here, but also helps the the areas around them. Because once you know we come in and fix maybe you know four or five houses, I think we did uh, almost a dozen there last year. I think we had nine houses um, here this last year uh, over the course of about three days. It looked a little different this year, just with COVID and social distancing. Everybody wanted to spread out a little bit, uh, which I think is a little bit better for Habitat for Humanity, from what I understand from them. It's it's <laughs> quite a bit to coordinate, you know, all of those volunteers on one day, uh, you know, within a block. Uh, but uh, but no, it was even though it looked a little different, it was amazing, man. We still saw a lot of the same things, uh, which were actually I think no, we got a picture on it and put it on the social media. It was. Uh, Somebody put a, a, a sign, just a little cardboard. They scratched, you know, thank you all so much, you know, for, for helping and put it out there so that we would all see it. Uh, and that's the consistent thing that we see, you know, whether it was year one or, or this year, uh, are people that are so thankful for us coming out and helping um, and almost in, in disbelief, you know, that, that, that we're realtors, kind of like you said, you know, that they're like, hey, I thought, you know, you had just sold we, houses. You yeah, know? people think we're, uh, we're salespeople, right? Yeah. And salespeople don't have the best reputation in the world. However, Realtors definitely have the biggest hearts. 
So if anybody really digs into it, I think they can really see that when the realtors come together, because face it, we're competitors. You know, the person that's on the other side of the transaction from you or amongst the Habitat for Humanity crowd, we are competitors, but we come together for one cause, and that's homes, home ownership, betterment of the community, whatever that is, realtors are coming together for that. So let me just paint a real detailed picture. So what happens is is that um, the organizations, the Regional Association of Realtors, MLS, they coordinate with the um, Habitat, Habitat for Humanity. You got it. However, it's the realtor members that are under absolutely no obligation and there's no incentive, hey, you know, donate $100 and you can wear jeans on Fridays or any of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's literally, hey, we've got this set up, would you come volunteer? Now, it was broken over several days this year. You so, got it. Uh, yeah, and, uh, well, let me let me tell this cute little story. I don't know how cute it is, but so uh, it was announced on one day, like, okay, the signups are available and I was uh, waiting for something to pen, uh, you know, a pending schedule item to come. So I waited until the second day it was available. And then I was only available for two of the days and they were both completely booked. So, I mean, it, wow. it is, uh, just, a, a well attended, uh, people are all very excited about, uh, being participating. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the crazy thing too. That, that was the bummer this year is I, I, I heard that feedback where there, there were a lot of people that wanted to participate as realtor members uh, that, that weren't able to because there were, you know, somewhat limited opportunities just because of, again, how we had to socially distance and whatnot. Um, but, and I'm hoping that, you know, we can get back to something that looks a little more normal next year. Uh, by the numbers, FYI, just in case you guys were curious, we, we gave about uh, $50,000 in total to the Habitat for Humanity this year. That's uh, about $41,000 uh, for Rock the Block. Uh, we did another Shred Day fundraiser, uh, about 5000 through a Pride Build. We did a couple of those this year. Um, and then, gosh, I think another 3100 to their their Restore, which is like, um, if you guys aren't familiar, that's kind of their, uh, they take donation items and then they'll they'll sell them. Uh, we had an upsell challenge, actually, for that recently, trying to take something from their Restore and kind of, uh, you know, upcycle it. Yeah, that's <laughs> Upcycle the, challenge, that's, sorry, that's what it's called. That's, that's the resale side, so the, the thrift store side, yeah. if you will, of Habitat for Humanity's Restore. You got yep. it. So and they did a really cool project where KCIR had teams that they put together, yeah. and they came in and restored a bar, restored a cabinet, restored a whatever, and then we had a little vote and a competition and just something to make it a little more fun. But there was a lot of people that participated in that as well. Yeah, Absolutely. All right, so that's something we do uh, here locally. Uh, we impact, and you named two or three others when you're talking about donations that we do uh, as, as a group, as an industry. Um, there's some cool stuff that happens uh, really on, on tri-level. So the organization, like a lot of professional organizations, have a local mm -hmm. chapter. Our local chapter includes Kansas and Missouri. Then we have state chapters. We have Kansas and Missouri, depending on which state you're in. And then, of course, the national level as well. And all three of them participate in the, uh, real t the relief fund. So uh, tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about the relief fund. So this is more, uh, this is more of you don't have to swing a hammer, right? You write, yeah. a, you write a check. You and got it. Swings the hammer. <laughs> There's actually sometimes physical opportunities. Like one year when we were in D.C., we did something physically um, and came together for I think it was a food pantry, um, and that went towards realtor relief. So there's different. Right, um, fundraising ways, things you can fundraise for. It. Yes, so, typically so it's a little uh, different than that. So, Tony, you'll launch off that. Yeah, tell yeah, us about definitely. the Relief Fund. Absolutely. So the Realtor Relief Fund was uh, 
established after 9-11, uh, we saw that there were several several families that had uh, housing-related uh, emergencies. Um, so it's been around since then. It's, it's real, started by realtors, led by realtors. Uh, generally, the funds have only been available uh, to other realtors, although that's been waived a couple different times whenever we had, you know, large, you know, pandemics or, I uh, guess, you know. Tornadoes. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Natural disasters, you've got it anytime. I, I know, um, like, for a personal example, uh, my brother, he's a realtor member now, uh, but before he was a realtor, he was actually a recipient of some of the realtor relief funds whenever he lived in St. Joseph, uh, actually, whenever they had all that, that widespread fl- flooding. Um, and he told me there yesterday, we were just talking about this, and he's like, man, I, you know, it, it wasn't a massive amount, but I mean, I guess, you know, it helped, you know, I, I think it, oh, he yeah. said it was a couple thousand dollars, I think, you know, that he got through two or three thousand dollars, and he's like, man, it helped massively, because they were going through their whole house, having to cut up, up like, you know, a foot, you know, I mean, and just tear, tear down to the studs right. and everything. And one of the um, things but, I've understood is that we're able to get there a lot faster than insurance or adjusters. All of that takes time, and Unfortunately, that relief is needed much sooner than sometimes the systems and processes of society allow for. So the Realtor Relief Foundation really tries to come in and and be there efficiently, quickly, and be able to get those funds where they need to go. Right. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that help in disasters. But if you've never been involved with one, first of all, knock on wood or whatever your superstition is, uh, it's a great thing. But uh, And I personally have not, although at one point uh, back in my career, I had uh, a staff member that was working uh, with me, and uh, her house burnt down on Christmas Eve. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so it's the organizations that can get in fast in the long run, a year later, you know, between insurance and other helpers, she was made whole. But that day... Right. And, and, and the first couple of weeks where she's trying to figure out how do I live, how do I pay for it, yeah. all of those kinds of things. I remember that being challenging for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were several organizations that were there very quickly. And that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, at the risk of sounding like a Aflac or something, if we can say, it. I don't know if we can say national <laughs> brand, but but the, I think that's exactly the, the point of the Realtor Relief Foundation is to kind of address some of those needs that maybe aren't being met by insurance or maybe aren't, yeah, while you're waiting for insurance or you know something to help those ends yeah. meet, you know. Yeah. That's a, it's a it's a great it's a great um, uh, thing that we do, and I wish more people did that. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's interesting. I I'm not sure that every realtor in the area or in the country uh, really thinks of, of service and giving back for the industry that we're in, some appreciation. But I think as a society, there's a large segment of people that understand that's important. But when we, um, when leaders in the industry start doing that and everybody else notices, it's a lead by example, it's a teach, it's a trickle down. So I want to kind of talk a little bit about, or maybe a lot about um, this this next item, which is um the, the Good Neighbor Award that the NAR gives out. Mm-hmm. And um, so we can start with, um, well, first of all, uh, in Missouri, maybe we set a shining example because we've had, uh, in Kansas too, but we've had in the area a lot of Good Neighbor Award winners, disproportionate yeah. amount compared to the rest of the country because it's so. a national yeah. award. Yeah, you're right. I, I think I think we're leading the way there. there. There's a reason they call it the heartland, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell us... Uh, um, uh, Charlie Hustle would be happy to hear that. By yeah, way. no doubt. <laughs> uh, t- tell us about uh, just the, the award, who mm-hmm. awards it, uh, and that kind of stuff. And then mm-hmm. if you'll lead us into, because we just recently had a local winner again. Yes. So t- t- lead us there, Tony. Definitely. No, absolutely. So, gosh, this one's been around, uh, I think, maybe about the same amount of time. I shouldn't say that without knowing, but the Realtor Relief Foundation, it's been around or it's been around 20, around 20 years too, the Good Neighbor Award. I think they just celebrated their 20th year. Maybe it was last year. Um, but but uh, they, they so they started – 
um, it, honestly, in, in an effort to to recognize the, the good things that realtors were doing. Uh, as you guys know, uh, my, my father was one of the first winners uh, back in, uh, gosh, I think it was... 2000, 2001. Uh, we'll get to him. 2001. In a okay, right on. Uh, but but no, the the, the award was uh, was created just to, to find realtors like that because honestly, as kind of we touched on a little bit today, realtors, uh, you know, the, the one a lot of us who are out there volunteering, we don't do it, you know, for the you know stand up and recognition. You know, we don't say you know to do it. We don't do it to be recognized on stage somewhere. We do it, you know, for that feeling that it gives us, and that for me, you know, the, the obligation, you know, that that you you need to give back, you know, to the community and the, the industry that's given you so much. Um, so, so that was the start, I think, the, of the Good Neighbor Award was that trying to find these people um, who are good neighbors, you know, in, in their community and who do these things. And yeah, sure, they help sell a house. That they, they do this, you know, they volunteer on the weekends. But gosh, maybe they've they've started a charity too, or they do something really amazing. Like a, I know one gal takes a, people out on a boat for a couple hours and raises literally millions. Of dollars, um, so that's that's kind of I think the reason that yeah, it started. Is, whenever this, it started, this it was isn't a, about like, hey, I donate my stuff to, to that I don't want anymore to Goodwill or Restore, oh, no. and I'm a great humanitarian. <laughs> These are no, people that are out there. You know, talk, uh, not yeah. only talking the talk, but walking the walk. You've got it. Yeah, generally, if they are the, the founders of the organization, they, they contribute a massive amount uh, personally, uh, not just time, you know, but personally, financially, too, uh, to the organization, or they have for some incredible length of time. Um, really, the, the people winning today, uh, it's phenomenal to me. Uh, and, and we kind of laugh again. It's like, sorry, no, that's all right. About that's right. Yeah, we we, we so, kind of laugh. I'm like, I wonder if Dad even would have won today, because what he, seemed, what, what he did back then seems to pale in comparison to, well, to the winners let's, today. Well, let's do that again. Example. So, so the recent was it last year's winner here in Kansas City? Yes. Well, and we've we've got another one too. That's a finalist this year. A finalist this yeah, year. Well, let's talk so. about the one who won it. Uh-huh. Mark Solomon. Mark yeah, Solomon. Thanks. Mark Sorry. Solomon was for the Veterans Community Veterans Project. Community Project. Yeah, 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 definitely. So he's he's our most recent winner. Uh, we've also had uh, gosh James Elcock here in our state. He's from the St. Louis side. Craig, obviously, uh, gosh, several several winners. But anyway, yeah. Sorry. And then our finalist this year. Uh, our finalist is, um, oh my goodness, Brent uh, Geiske, who does it for Agape Pomoja, uh, which houses a lot of uh, refugees here in the Kansas City area. A lot of people may not realize that. We have a ton of refugees that land here in the Kansas City area, a massive amount from the Congo, which are the ones that he actually helps. Uh, and several people who, I mean, he teaches them life skills, and they people who have never even, I mean, he talks about having to educate them on how to use a refrigerator and how to use a dresser because they've never had these things in their life. They've lived as refugees their whole life. Um, and he teaches them, you know, valuable skills, you know, how to, how to be, you know, carpentry skills, how to, uh, he finds these houses and rehabs them a lot with the volunteer labor and then lets the people, the refugees uh, move in them, uh, either rent free or the rent that they pay goes back to support other, you know, community-based efforts. Yeah. It's um, pretty amazing. You know, when you described it to us last time, yeah. uh, you know, that whole concept, uh, here are people that are emigrating to the United States mm-hmm. uh, that that um, it just are things like a refrigerator is foreign to them. Yeah. And and of course, you know, all of these things that that we we take for granted. And this isn't one of those conversations. But this is is that takes a lot more care and effort mm-hmm. to teach somebody something brand new that we don't even think about. Yeah. And so. Right. So he finds the houses. He rebuilds them, or he and his teams, mm-hmm. they rebuild them, rehab them, get them yeah. habitable, probably pretty nice. Yeah, definitely through donations or, or other work. It's, it's amazing. He, we were talking about fundraising, which is a central aspect, obviously, of what I talk about with a lot of Good Neighbor Award winners, and he's like, we don't really fundraise. Um, he said that, you know, generally speaking, whenever we need something, it just the money just kind of shows up. And I'm like, wow, that's... I mean, I get just like it's chills. You just, yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's amazing, right? But I right. mean, just um, through, either through their church or somebody that they run into, another donor or something like that. It's it's just it, it's incredible uh, that, that they're that 
that blessed and that they're able to help people. And obviously what he sees now is kind of like we talked about with Rock the Block earlier. So he's taught these people these valuable skills. Now they have other friends that are coming in, maybe family members, we hope, uh, that, that are coming in and joining them. And now they're able to pass on this valuable set of skills. You know, from they, they've gone from a person who, yeah, didn't know how to literally use a, a fridge or dresser. And now they're, they're teaching, you know, their, their, their neighbor how to, uh, you know, be a carpenter, a valuable skill that they could go out and use in the community. Right. Yeah. And support themselves, sustain themselves. Yeah pay rent to the stuff that yeah. he essentially gave them for free so that they can mm-hmm. sustain the, this this sort of cycle, if you will. Uh, yeah. and, and that's a pretty pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, pr- pretty impressive. And, and statewide, you know, Dennis Curtin did a wonderful um, good neighbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was recognized in Missouri for Mimi's Pantry. Mm-hmm. Right. And Mimi's yeah. Pantry is a really cool concept where they're trying to provide good, oh, healthy wow. foods and, you know, different things like that. So it's just I mean, it's it's everywhere. It's so awesome, and it's yeah. one of those things where you um, kind of emote, I guess, what you center yourself around. And so, when we center ourselves around these amazing people like this, it just yeah. creates this positive energy and this great atmosphere. And and we love being realtors for that reason. Well, yeah, no. So let's. Yeah, no, Dennis uh, is amazing. That one's that one's really close to my heart. That's uh, well, and that, I, you know, I don't know if everybody knows the reality that is it is it's a lot more expensive to eat healthy in America than it is to eat unhealthy. No, yeah. I'm really not the one in the podcast that should be discussing that. <laughs> right? I've got a body built for radio. So, um, but but that that's a thing. So not just providing food, but providing healthy food and, and yeah. good quality. That's 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 really cool. Well, he does it in such a style that I mean, if there was a young child, you know, that was accompanying their mother to the food. Pantry, they may not know the difference that, that they weren't actually just going to the grocery store. I mean, it's that right. Yeah. It's that much of a parallel. I mean, bright, you know, light lit like you wouldn't believe. I mean, they, they have refrigerators, which I mean, most food pantries, that's not a thing. I mean, they have the ability to keep cold storage, even even frozen things. So the things that they can take from harvesters a lot of times are are better quality or, you know, different than, than what you would find in, you know, a traditional food store. Uh, and that's Dennis's big thing is, is there's not a food problem. It's not a problem with food supply here in the United States. It's a problem with food distribution. Distribution. Sure. That's what he saw early on. And, and Taking it head on, obviously, it's amazing. Let's uh, let's talk about twenty years ago, and I think there's a great tie-in uh, here that we've all kind of been hitting on. I said specifically, but I think it'll be great to let's talk about your dad, mm-hmm. uh, who was an early winner yeah. of the Good Neighbor Award. Let's talk about what he did, and uh, then uh, let's 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 take a minute and examine that concept where you say you and he laugh about that he wouldn't win today. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, no, uh, what, what he did, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, so we... Uh, <laughs> Tony's going to break yeah, up I, here. We've got, we've got <laughs> tissues there somewhere. Let me get some for you. Um, so about, yeah, it's been about 20 years ago. Uh, my, my sister was killed by a drunk driver. Um, and, and that's a lot of what my dad was recognized for. Um, he was also very instrumental in starting the Big Brothers Big Sisters chapter. Um, so, so we'll start there. Maybe I can talk about that a little better. They, they, uh, a couple of good friends of ours, Tony and Penny Manetti, uh, came to him. And my mom, because they knew that they were in the Lions Club and kind of had that connection, you know, to charitable causes in town, uh, as we've had for a long time, obviously. But they um, they said, hey, Craig, you know, we're looking for the seed money. I think at the time it was $500. It, it seems almost laughable now. You know, gosh, I would have just wrote them the check. But but they, uh, but they at the time, it was, you know, a, a bit of an ask. So we went to the Lions Club um, and, you know, Dad presented it and kind of worked with them to help get that chapter established. And so that was part of it. Uh, the bigger part, though, is the, the Children's Memorial Gardens uh, in Nancy Anderson Park, which exists in Warrensburg. Now, if you're in Warrensburg, Missouri, feel free to drive by. Um, it's a park that we have uh, in memory of those children that we've lost too soon. Um, and, and as I mentioned, my sister was killed by a drunk driver. Uh, we found after that that uh, 
you know, memories uh, in the school aren't necessarily always the best whenever you try to uh, make a tribute there uh, or something like that, that that you have to go through, uh, you know, if you're doing like a scholarship or something, there are different ropes that you have to go through either with the university or the school. And and not to criticize either one, we have a great university uh, and school foundation there. Um, But uh, they're actually proud to be one of the founding 50, honestly, and they're Warrensburg Schools Foundation. But that's beside the point. Uh, (laughs) But but no, uh, we have an amazing school. I don't mean to take away from that, but we do have a memorial there at the high school. But anyway, it was just... You know, the the graveyard isn't the best place to remember them. That's, you know, kind of sad. We wanted to remember kids in the way that they were happy and the way that they were playing. Um, So that's what the Children's Memorial Gardens is about. There there is a wall there of children that we've lost too soon uh, that's growing uh, at, you know, a rate that I'm not proud of by any means. Uh, But but, but obviously, that's a place that we've all found that we can come together. So that's the better part of it. Uh, There are children there that are in a happy state. There's a girl that has uh, balloons. Um, There are some kids. One of my favorite sculptures are the kids playing on a log. Uh, They're chasing their dog. Uh, across the log and there's a, a little girl and a boy it, it's just uh, they're all very playful very happy uh, the way that we want to remember our kids um, there, there's no limit on who is a kid uh, we've never placed a limit on that uh, it doesn't matter how old they were if, if the parent or guardian lost them and they were a child to them then by all means um, there's no uh, there's no cost we fundraise every year to make sure that there's no cost to engrave a name on the wall so that by some chance somebody can't afford that um, that's never an obstacle either uh, we have a purse auction which my dad will tell you right now he's thought my mom was crazy whenever she came yeah. up with it said who, purse auction well, who, who like a lot of guys purses? would be like purse really yeah, yeah. Who yeah. Jed's over here nodding her head like no, oh yeah I purse know. auctions he, are the thing to, to this day because they kind of were doing it before it was cool I'll say it to this day my dad eats crow about that he's all like oh my god he's like <laughs> I never I realized like there was so much money year, in purses. Man. Friend, you haven't been to Louis Vuitton, have you? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, we had one of those clutches that sold for like almost $1,000 one year. Anyway, sorry. But but no, uh, it's it, so it's it's an amazing project. The fact that you know what a very clutch is, <laughs> I'm just I'm pretty, I'm pretty impressed. Pretty impressed. <laughs> hey, my dad, I will tell you, it's, it's a great a great another way to, for us to connect clients. My dad, all, uh, you know, if a woman has a nice purse, he's automatically like, ooh, is that a Dooney and Burke? You know, is that- <laughs> <laughs> he upped his fashion game through his fundraising charity and amazing heart. No you doubt. know, that's that's no a, I, just as a <laughs> sideline, I, I tend to be a researcher. I do a lot of research. I like to have a lot of information, and that's going to open up a whole new avenue for me. I think my wife is going to wonder what happened. <laughs> oh, honey, did you see the fashion this year? So, nice. Um, uh, but, but no, a, a good way, that really, that we, we uh, knew, uh, it brought us a lot closer as a family. Uh, losing my sister, we, we knew that something positive had to come out of that. Right. Um, and that was, um, I, you know, I hate to say the best we could do, but I, I'm really proud of it. So, I mean, it's uh, obviously the, the light kind of out of that dark spot. Well, us. first of all, it's amazing, uh, as, as is everything that you've mentioned. But I, I can see the logical brain in me sees the joke that you and your dad have that he wouldn't get that because, <laughs> no, I, what, because yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's, you know, unfo- unfortunately a growing number, but it only yeah. is affecting a certain number of individuals. It yeah. didn't cost tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. And you look at the Good Neighbor Award winners today and you see some of that. You see hundreds of yeah. thousands of dollars, yeah. huge teams of volunteers, impact in terms of the number of human beings, Mimi's Pantry mm-hmm. on a much broader broader scale. Yeah. And you go, wow, I can't believe. But, you know, I said it earlier and I'll say it again. It is um, it is by example, teaching realtors, humans, you know, what to be, how to be. This is who we are. 
right? The uh, the NAR. That's uh, who we are. That's that's who we are. But this it's is one who, of my favorite slogans yeah. ever, by the way. That, that. That's the NAR slogan. Yeah. Um, that's who we are. But that is who we are. And your father and people like him 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 50 years ago helped define that. So the Mimi's Pantry people aren't getting awarded may not even be encouraged to do it if it weren't for people like your father and the people before him doing it. So wow. uh, just Thank you. absolutely amazing. amazing. And some of the really kind of really cool and amazing things that realtors do for us. Um, let's shift a little bit and let's talk about uh, some things that realtors uh, tend to do for us that um, maybe are part of sort of the transactions we work on, but people don't absolutely recognize that maybe their realtor is doing that for them. Because one of the things I like to share with my clients, uh, and of course I've got an IT background, right? Mm -hmm. So 20 years as a software engineer, I'm a hardcore geek. And so I look at this sort of, you know, black and white sometimes uh, in terms of like job responsibilities and duties. And I talk to my clients and I say, your real estate agent or realtor here in Kansas City, one of the things that their real job is to be a project manager. Uh, a project manager that's that's got no authority with a lot of the people that they are, which is the way it is in many, many organizations in IT, yeah. that project managers don't literally have any direct authority over to the people that they're quote-unquote project managing. Huh. So we always call it herding cats. Mm, so yeah. so let's let's kind of circle around some of the things that, uh, you know, and we don't have to go into, into detail, but kind of a, a broad picture of things that, Realtors do during typical transactions that maybe um, the public isn't aware of that at least good realtors do. So yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start and we'll just talk about understanding and working with title companies because mm -hmm. I can guarantee you that the vast majority of people out there have no clue what a title company is or what they do. That was the first thing I thought of. I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to lie. I was going to say. I think most obviously buyers they're familiar with the lender. They know that that's part of the process, right? Uh, but aside from you know maybe signing at the title company, that's right. sometimes <laughs> all, you don't all, do all that. The, it just yeah. depends on you know. We used to have the lenders closing their own transactions. Things have yeah. changed so much since COVID, though, and you know much more uh, focused. I don't think as many lenders are doing their own closings anymore, just to limit the number of people at a closing. Different types of things like that. But yeah, I mean your your title company is the end face of the transaction a lot of times, and it's very anticlimactic for our buyers sometimes, or even our sellers because how long does it take to sell a house as a seller? You walk into that title company and you're done signing those documents in 15 minutes. Yeah, it's a seller and, frequently. And it's yeah. very and, quick. And it's a very quick. Chatty. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right? That's if Tony or Jen or Eric's your realtor and they get chatty. That's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Right, otherwise it's five minutes, right? My, like, my favorite closer. Maybe two, two, three. It's <laughs> all five documents you got to sign there. So, um, no yeah, it's, it's a very quick anticlimactic. But that title company, that person there that's helping um, your buyer or your seller through that is kind of that last step that they are taking for their home ownership journey, whichever way that's going. And they're talking a lot about a variety of documents, about registering with the state A lot of numbers. County, a yeah, lot of numbers. Right. talking about a title commitment. All of these yeah. things that, that we're essentially pouring over to make sure there are no problems and then and then uh, encapsulating, which is the geek term, which means, you know, sort of keeping the details away 
from the consumer unless they want them. I'd love my my mm-hmm. a, my my clients to go give me in detail what's in this. <laughs> yeah, but I think they'd fall asleep and th- they they trust right. me to say you've gone through the commitment and there are no issues. And if there are, mm-hmm. then we talk about them. But I mean, so some of these things we do. So title is one of the things that we work with. Um, what what's something else that we might do? I think maybe uh, I'll let one of you guys lead, but let's go down the line of inspections maybe, yeah. and and how we participate or at least a good agent is participating in that process. Oh my gosh, there are so many pieces to the home inspection and number of inspections that you can have mm-hmm. these days, um, and depending mm-hmm. on the house, for example, like I'm up in Smithville on the Boonies, we have a lot of septics, and I literally had a buyer. Um, Two days ago, from coming from California, I don't want anything with a septic system, but I want acreage. I'm sorry, those <laughs> so, two are not going to go <laughs> hand in hand. Um, and by the way, the septic system is not something to be afraid of. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a necessary evil in the country where you don't have the ability to run into a main water and connect very easily because the cost would far outweigh just kind of stationarily having your own septic system. So we did a little education piece. And I have another buyer that's moving, I believe, from South Carolina. And H&H Septic came out to do a septic inspection on that system and kind of walked the buyer through some education because they'd never had one either. And for those of you listening, just don't put anything inappropriate down the septic system. (laughs) Toilet paper only, friends. That is, you know, there's cute little sayings around all the septic systems, but um, yeah, and the lake people. I mean, think about your your Ozarks friend. A lot of them have septic systems, right? Because there wasn't Sure. Back when they did the dam, there wasn't all the, you know, you know what I had access. To, so. I had to learn about. I understood septic's okay. I've never had one, but I, you know, I had friends who had and, you know, just paid attention. But I didn't know much about lagoons, mm-hmm. which was, is another aspect of that. I was just getting ready just to say. Just depends. I was, yeah, I was laterals, lagoons, all yeah, the things. I was explaining what I call a potty pond to somebody the other day. <laughs> oh, which, potty which, pond! Which, which I, I have a five-year-old, obviously. I've got to clean it up. But, but no, which is essentially a lagoon. And right. I was trying to explain somebody the difference. An you know, evaporation hey, hey, pond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Your evaporation pond is whenever it hits the tank first. And if it goes straight into the pond, then that's, you know, a lagoon and their lowest maintenance. But, I mean, you know, you probably get some odor and, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I'll never forget. It was, it was a few years ago. I had an agent who had obviously sold mostly real estate in, you know, the urban core and coming out. And and he called it uh, an underground storage tank. That's what it was. I, I was like, I was like man, what are you talking about? He's like, I understand there's an underground storage tank on the property. I'm like. For poo? For, for, <laughs> for what? Yeah, that was my thing. I'm like, what do you. He's all like, well, you know. The, they, the, they got a gas pump? pump? He's, like, it, he's yeah. like, yeah, whenever they flush the toilet, it goes to the underground. I'm like, oh, my God, you're talking about the septic tank. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway, that, that was yeah, that was a new one for me. A UST, an underground storage tank. I was like, oh. all right. I was like, I, I suppose it's stored there in a way while the bacteria. Work but depending on, it, on the home, you know, you know anyway, yeah. well, it's gonna so, have you know, that's so a, many that's different a great, things. Yeah. That's a great example of uh, having to understand aspects of real estate, and and people are expecting, and a good agent does, or if a good agent doesn't know, mm-hmm. a good agent goes and finds out, you know, from authority very quickly uh, to put in their in their toolbox, which is, you know, we expect certain things like septic tanks for you to be able to explain to us. When we continue to go down that road of inspections, I think one of the things that I spend a fair amount of time doing now, you know, I've got um, a background in, in flipping homes and being involved in new builds. And so none of this is particularly foreign to me, which might give me a, an advantage. And I know Jen has as well. And Tony, you, of course, um, the, uh, but just interpreting 
some of the things on the inspection report. And, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes a little dicey because I'm not a licensed contractor, so you always yeah. have to preface that. But, you know, how big of a deal is this? And, yeah. oh, my, you know, because... Say, we get that question all the time, right? Yeah, because, do, like, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. every new car, every new house that comes yeah. off the whatever, uh, right? Oh, yeah. It's just... Brand it new is, homes. It, this is real life, yeah. and things are just not yeah. perfect, um, you know. We're all only, human. You got yeah. it. Yeah. So you just have to go through and, and what is manageable and what is not, and then education of what you're going to take care of going forward. And, you know, that's a great thing, thinking back to Habitat for Humanity. That's one of the pieces you bring together with Rock the Block. Sometimes it's just those um, drainage issues or those mulching issues or those wood rot issues, right? And part of that is even educating the homeowner a little bit through the process. Sometimes they're disabled. They're not able to do these things. So it is just coming in and literally helping them um, get those things done. But sometimes it's an education piece that we've missed um, as a society, honestly, because you do have general maintenance items that if you lived in the urban core, for example, you wouldn't know all those pieces. If you lived in a condo or an apartment, you wouldn't know all those pieces. And so it's simply that process of explaining kind of, hey, this is what we're doing, or hey, these are the the items or the list, you know, to help people move forward through education and through a helping handout. You know, stuff as simple as, you know, bring in, you know, six or eight wheelbarrows worth of dirt and slope the, you know, grade the, yep. the ground mm-hmm. away from your house that will solve dr- so drainage. many, yeah, yeah, positive drainage will solve yeah. so many of your foundation problems in the future. And if you just make sure, you know, once a year you took a look at that. Um, so no sort of on that inspection side, so titles, there's a handful of others, but we're going to run out of time. Uh, but, but there's just a lot of things we do other than sit down and have you fill out paperwork. Uh, some of which, like the last couple, really centered around the transaction itself. But so much of what we do, or at least that we really aspire to do, is to help our communities. And we get to do that in some really cool volunteering ways. So, yeah. No doubt. All right. We're, we're nearing the end, Tony. So I have the, uh, the ultimate question we ask oh, yeah. every guest. Right. What is what is the craziest thing you've seen in real estate? I haven't had anything crazier happen to me since the last time we recorded. So <laughs> <laughs> I will tell that story of the time that my mother found a, a dead body in, in an apartment that we were managing. Okay, uh, so and, you now you got to walk us through the details. No, I know, there. I know. I, I, I led with the, the bolt, the lightning bolt there, right? But I, and, and this and again, I, 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 I sometimes I'm always a little reserved about telling this story because it makes us sound like terrible landlords. But I promise we were not. We were doing our due diligence. Um, the, the guy. Had had his rent paid. He like paid it forward through his bank account. Anyway, uh, I'm getting off into the weeds. So my, my we we had a complaint, uh, and, and it was an odor complaint uh, that, that came from I believe it was the, the tenant who had been above him. Um, it was in a multi complex, and, and it was an older gentleman uh, who was he was not in, in the best of health, uh, but you know to our knowledge, not no major problems or anything like that. He was doing on his own. Obviously, he could live okay by, okay by himself. Um, so. We uh, got a, a call from the tenant and said, hey, you know, would you come over here? Uh, we got the police involved because it just anytime we're wanting to enter a, a tenant's place like that, you know, we're, we're knocking, there's no answer. It just, you, you can never be too careful with that. Obviously, we want to respect the tenant's right to quiet enjoyment, you know, that they have right. yeah, with that leasehold. Um, so we, we got brought the policeman over there, got them involved, and we actually, you know, had to, to forcibly enter the, the premises. And then we, you know, came in there and it, it became uh, pretty quick. Pretty quickly, obvious, you know what what had happened, and then that's like, uh, to, to me, there's like, 
in, in your real estate career for me, whenever I start out, I'm like, okay, like I never want to find a dead body and I never want to walk in and hear the shower running, <laughs> like to show a house. Or some other noises. You know? yeah, right, yeah, yeah exactly, don't want to walk, right? in. Like, don't walk so, in and- Get two legs up. Yeah, oh! and, 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 and honestly, so that one, check the dead body, and I've definitely done the shower thing. That happened to us on a realtor tour one time, actually, where I was going, no I, was opening, yeah, I was opening up another house <laughs> uh, for another realtor that was in my office. They, they, they weren't there, they had something else to do. And, and we walked in with about six other realtors and, and we all heard the shower and stopped dead. Oh. Like, just go, just go. Head for the front door, head for the yeah, front door. We'll, we'll, figure out, out, we'll, out. we'll figure out what happened later. Everyone leave now. Half time, half time. <laughs> but no, that, that's got to be the craziest one, the, the, the dead body. That's, well, that's all just, I can think is- I'll never is, forget that. Is thank goodness it wasn't like when you were, like, thought the- apartment was vacant and showing oh my word yeah like oh yeah, yeah. and in oh, here no. we have this yeah. nice spacious bedroom yeah oops no it, it was crazy and I, I am happy to say the, the guy he died of natural causes there was no foul play you know nothing like that uh but but like i say it was just it was one of those things to where he didn't have enough contact with people and, and nobody was really like checking in on him for long enough that, that it was just yeah anyway so so two lessons there right when your tenants uh complain about a really weird smell mm. uh, you check into it and, yeah and the second one is, hey, if you haven't checked in on that crazy uncle recently, right? Uh, right? <laughs> just give, give him a buzz. Give him a give buzz. Him a buzz. <laughs> text him. Shoot him a text. Hey, yeah. are you still alive? Just you're checking in. Good, yeah. yeah. And, and give, give him a guy that just I might. Just a wellness check. Just because I might be that crazy uncle at some point. I think, I'm pretty sure my wife's going to outlive me, but, you know, just in case, let's get let's get that habit from any of my nieces and nephews listening. It's a good so. call. Good call. Yeah. Call, call your mom. Call your grandmother. Call, call your grandparents. Time spent with them is not never wasted time. Okay, everybody. We're running out of time. Uh, thanks, Tony, for coming for such a great episode the Definitely, second time. Man. Definitely, uh, man. Uh, I'd, I'd do it again. I'd do it again. This is so much fun with you guys. <laughs> well, Thank that you. can mess up the recording. If you like. <laughs> but, do, do, do I get a third box of chocolates if I come back? Well, but, <laughs> it'll, it'll, have to, it'll have to be dinner, right? Because I'm too early for me to do breakfast. But, right uh, on. Fair enough. So much, so much appreciate you coming. Uh, have a great time at uh, NAR. I know, Jen, you're leaving tomorrow to go. We are. And let Tony awesome. drop his contact information in, say, oh, yeah. in case somebody wants yeah, that's to right. uh, reach out to him in Warrensburg. Warrensburg, absolutely. Yeah, Tell us, uh, how do we get a hold of you? Uh, so probably best way, my cell phone. I, I carry it with me all the time. It's here on the table. Uh, 660-223-2507 as my cell phone number. Uh, I'm at Key Realty in Warrensburg, Missouri. Uh, right there whenever you get off the main 50, you know, uh, 13 bypass there. Not the bypass, but the main junction there. You'll see us right there by the new hotel. Awesome. Okay, everybody. That's it for another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com where you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.